This is In Sickness. Hello. Hi. <laughs> this is take two of our first mini-sode. Welcome. Maya had some technical issues, but that just means this is going to be <laughs> as smooth as it gets for us, right? Yes, absolutely. Or as chaotic slash hilarious <laughs> as it gets for us. Either way, that's a win. What are we going to talk about today? Right. So today we thought it might be fun to revisit our uh, first episode since we are currently hearing a lot of concerned voices about flu and COVID and RSV or the tridemic slash triple demic. We'll have that discussion later. Mm -hmm. So yeah, my first job for today was to go back and listen to our first episode and that was fun. I truly, I'll say, I've said it before, literally, and I'll say it again. I think that was very brave of you, and I appreciate your service. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really didn't mind it, and it was kind of cool to go back to, like, the April 2020 recording. We were, like, in the <laughs> in the first lockdown, still trying to figure out what to do with ourselves, and just trying to, like, find our rhythm as well. It's super awkward and super cute. <laughs> And our sound was really, really bad. <laughs> so in our first episode, we were seeing a lot of discussion in the media about the Spanish flu pandemic of 1918-1919 within the context of COVID-19. So I'll give you a little bit of a recap of the episode, things I thought were important, and we'll take it from there. Great. So the Spanish flu pandemic happened again from 1918 to 1919. It killed anywhere between 50 to 100 million people. And throughout the course of the thing, uh, about a third of the world's population was infected. Crazy. And it spread globally through transportation routes. And most importantly, it was happening at the same time as the First World War. So wartime and demobilization uh, once the war was over, both of those things spread the flu and created the opportunity for new mutations of the virus to spread. So it came in waves, and especially in the second wave, you saw a really, really high mortality rate, um, especially among the young. So so people like at, at peak working age, anywhere between mm. the ages of like 16 and, and 40 were the ones who were dying disproportionately. Which brings us to why we did that disease first. As I briefly mentioned at the beginning of the first COVID lockdown, Everybody was comparing Spanish flu and COVID. And we were kind of, as societies, fixated on trying to learn lessons from past diseases. I would argue the wrong lessons. <laughs> um, <laughs> for example, nurses and why we should pay them more because they're essential, which was something we focused on a lot in our Spanish flu episode. The importance of nursing, particularly when no uh, treatments are available, which was another big similarity between Spanish flu and COVID at the beginning. Were we so ahead of our time? Super ahead of our time. <laughs> <laughs> what do we like to say? We're always right and we know it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a thing we've been saying for years. Gosh, it's so hard to be right all the time. It Ugh. really is. What a burden. Insufferable. <laughs> Proud of it. But again, that's kind of like where we were at the beginning of the first lockdown. We had no treatment for COVID, no vaccine. We didn't really know how it was transmitted, all sorts of theories, all sorts of mixed messaging about masks and almost everything else. So why are we talking about this again now is a different question. Because we're not seeing that Spanish flu comparison anymore. And in our first episode, we talked a little bit about mental health, isolation, 
um, staying connected over over years, <laughs> the grief, the trauma, the denial, all that fun stuff. And we seem to have moved on from the effort to contextualize and understand in relation to other diseases and come into something else. So in the first episode, Maya mentioned the threat of COVID becoming endemic, and that's gone from a fear to a high-level <laughs> policy decision. <laughs> Once again, it's a burden. <laughs> So uh, not sure if you agree with me there. I think that's a yes. <laughs> I do agree with you. Yes. So in England, there was literally this thing called the strategy for living with COVID, which was announced last February. And that was ironically when the queen had COVID being prime minister and having to start your statement on the strategy for living with COVID and starting that statement with like, hope you feel better soon, Queenie. All right, you, Lizzie. <laughs> Wishing her a speedy recovery. Wait, no, she's no longer with us. I keep forgetting <laughs> the queen is dead. Wow. In my mind, she's this like immortal being. Anyway, <laughs> the strategy for living with COVID ended all contact tracing. It scrapped the requirement to self-isolate if you tested positive, and it ended self-isolation support payments and COVID provisions for statutory sick pay from March. So that's like a month after the announcement. And it ended free testing from April. So no more sick pay for COVID in one month, and then in two months, no more free testing. So, um, and instead, they were pivoting to focus on the booster program and antivirals. They were actually removing any incentive or support to stay away from others if you're sick and calling it personal responsibility. So what does this have to do with flu? We'll get to that. But in short, COVID is still with us. And as of two weeks ago, <laughs> one in 30 people had it <laughs> right now, two weeks ago. It's flu season and there are colds circulating too, just just because. So we're actually talking about an extra burden on an already strained healthcare systems and very few resources for people to actually make decisions for themselves and take personal responsibility. That's the crazy thing about the like personal responsibility accountability thing is that they're saying like you have to be responsible for yourself, but let me like take away all the resources that would actually allow you to do that. Yeah, because like if let's say you're in a single income household and like you can't afford to take the time off, that's not really a choice, is it? No. Okay, well, you mentioned a strained healthcare system and like why are we talking about the flu and COVID again? Part of the reason we wanted to do this mini-sode is because we're hitting this peak right now of three diseases, triple-demic, tridemic. Gosh, we're bad at naming things. (laughs) So we just thought that in light of our first episode, we do a quick recap of those two diseases and then the third one that's hitting us like crazy and then talk about what it's doing um, right now in our respective geographic regions. So the three main diseases right now are COVID, flu, and RSV. To recap, all three of them are caused by viruses. All three are respiratory infections that are extremely contagious. All three of them are wrecking our healthcare systems. COVID, I feel like we are all pretty much on board with this one. Um, We all kind of have a general understanding these days, but basically it's a virus spread by the SARS-CoV-2 virus, which is a form of coronavirus. Flu is caused by the influenza virus. This virus transforms super rapidly. That's why we are always having new strains and always getting a new vaccine each year. And if you want to know more about those two, you can go back to our very first episode if you dare. And then the third one that's really causing a lot of havoc right now is RSV, which stands for Respiratory Syncytial Virus. 
I think is what we decided. I think that's the pronunciation we landed on. Yeah. And that's just like the name of the disease and the name of the virus are the same in that instance. And for grownups, it can really feel just like a bad cold. But for babies and old people, but like more specifically babies, um, it can be super, super severe, lead directly to hospitalization, sometimes even death. And it spreads more from surface contamination than it does air droplets, which is more the COVID and flu side of things. Most of the time, these three diseases, based on symptoms alone, uh, seem completely identical. So blessings to us all. Good luck to everyone. They they just like <laughs> manifest really similarly. Like you get cold symptoms. And like we used to have some cheeky fun COVID symptoms, like losing your sense of taste. And we don't have that anymore, which I mean, like, good obviously but (laughs) now the symptoms are just so similar it is uh really hard to tell the difference so these Mm -hmm. three are hitting full force and really yeah like you said our already strained health systems are really feeling the impact of it and i was wondering if you would like to tell us a bit about what it's like in the uk right now yeah the funny thing about this like flu and covid simultaneously thing is that people were extremely worried about what they were calling a twindemic back in September. It's not good. <laughs> yeah, twindemic. Yeah, so back in September, we were having this like autumn wave of COVID and people were were worrying about what would happen one once flu season started with COVID numbers where they were and flu at the same time and the NHS always on the verge of collapse, but particularly this year. And in addition to that, our economy nearly collapsed and um, news outlets slash social media they got distracted. They stopped covering the spike in cases and the threat of collapse of the NHS because they were like, huh, if we don't talk about it, it's not happening. <laughs> yeah. So as of late November, um, COVID came down by about 30%. R was at about one. And it's unclear how long this kind of plateau will last because it's only those at higher risk who were being offered vaccines. Um, so in late October, they opened up eligibility to anyone over 50. So watch the space for further variants driven by school-aged children and young adults who are not eligible yet. But hey! Yeah, unless they're, um, they're vulnerable in other ways. So flu is now, as predicted, becoming a problem. It spiked a lot earlier in the season than normal. So on the 23rd of October of this year, 2022, for those of you who might in the future be listening to us, the UK Health Security Agency announced a nationwide campaign to get people vaccinated against flu. At the time, high rates of cases and uh, hospitalizations were a problem and the fastest rate fastest rising rates of hospitalizations and ICU admissions were in children under five and on the 28th of October they had nearly doubled in two weeks that's a big concern specifically because of the rate of vaccination of young young children so a few weeks ago it was 12.1 percent of two-year-olds 12.8 percent of three-year-olds and 12.4 percent of pregnant women and then 18.2 percent of under 65s in a clinical risk group. So those numbers are really, really low of people they were managing to reach with their, like eligible people they were managing to reach with their vaccination programs. A number I got as well was uh, 16 and 17.1% for two and three-year-olds, supposedly based on the same report. I was concerned about it then. I'm concerned about it now. The point is, (laughs) it's low. It's low. Yeah. 
And it looks like local councils, so over here, that's like municipal governments, are stepping in with a lot more messaging. And if you follow us on Instagram at insickness2020, you will have seen the Monsters in the Mall campaign, which <laughs> is... I thought it was really cute, but Maya thought it was really terrifying. Kind of looks like Monsters, Inc. mascots. I would say it's combo. I think yeah. the COVID one is cute. And I think the flu one looks like a gangster smoking a cigarette. <laughs> a little bit, but it's actually a thermometer. Highly recommend taking a look. Yeah. They're cute slash terrifying and they were wandering around the mall trying to get people to to get their, their jabs being like, you gotta get vaccinated. <laughs> Again in late October, RSV levels and hospital admission rates rose in kids and experts were warning about a triple whammy of viruses. That's another good um, one. And then the noise about a triple-demic started a couple of weeks ago. I found an article saying that 7.4% of the general population, so again, this is this is about two weeks ago, were infected with RSV. And that's currently the leading cause of infant hospitalizations in the UK. And every year, so this is a problem every single year, over 100,000 children die of RSV around the world. Crazy. Yeah. I've heard that discussed as an immunity gap among pandemic babies, especially, who were born during the pandemic and who were extremely sheltered, um, who didn't go to daycares, who didn't really go to school, who didn't have contact with anybody else, and who hadn't built up any immunity to flu or RSV, and who are now uh, behind on their vaccinations for many reasons. And I'm sure Maya will talk about that. She's nodding. Planning Yes, to. I shall. <laughs> Great. There's also the issue of catching more than one thing. Co-infection is a serious risk, so don't assume you'll only get one of the three. I read an article in Wired that said, in a study of nearly 7,000 hospitalized patients with COVID-19, researchers in the UK found that 227 patients had also tested positive for the flu, and they were more likely to require ventilation, end quote. So don't assume you'll only get one at a time, and if you get sick, please stay at home. And don't touch your face. Wow. What's crazy is how uh, similar our crises are. So <laughs> go figure. let me tell you about North America, too. So we're having the same wave of three things. People are calling it the triple threat. I am hearing tridemic now and again. As previously mentioned, I'm not sure this is the right choice, but like we can <laughs> workshop it. COVID has continued to be super bad, but we're just like not really talking about it. Similar to the UK. There is really not that much access to testing anymore in Ontario for over a year now. You haven't been able to get a PCR test, although we do have rapids at the grocery store. But now there's all these like other fun elements in the mix. And so things are hitting the fan and most health systems are pretty much on the brink of collapse. And what's craziest is that it's almost entirely amongst children, which usually people are like, ah, think of the children. So it's like very strange that we're not talking about it more, I think. And that was what reminded me when you were talking about the different waves of the flu epidemic. You know, the first few rounds of COVID, it was like, honestly, kids are not getting it and they're doing fine. And this mm -hmm. time around, we're like, yo, the kids are fucked. Yeah, it's so true. Because at the beginning, especially of like the vaccination program, so when vac vaccines started to be approved and rolled out, the conversation was a little bit about, a little bit kid-centric. People were worried about the children. <laughs> And yes. how they how the vaccine was going to affect them. People were also really Not worried going to about school. Yeah, exactly. Like the effects on children. And now we're seeing 
that actually there are many knock-on effects of COVID on children that are that are only um, materializing now because we've gotten off really, really lightly for a while. Yep. And we're like, hey, just send them back in without masks. They'll be fine. According to most reports, this is just about the worst surge of infectious illnesses pediatricians have seen, and it is still going up. So we first reviewed and read this almost two weeks ago, and from the just like news that I've been reading, not even additional research, it is continuing to get significantly worse. Pediatric ICUs across the U.S. and Canada are slammed. Doctors are unable to keep up with the flood of children coming through. In the U.S., children's hospitals are shipping kids around from hospital to hospital just trying to find open beds for them, so like helicopter to another hospital. Some hospitals are back to building tents for overflow because not everybody can get into the ER even. Sometimes they're calling the National Guard or like firefighters to come and help them deal with the sheer amount of people there. And one that I actually just saw by chance this morning is that we're back to that thing that was happening at the beginning of the pandemic where hospitals are so overloaded with these kinds of issues that if you have a heart attack or a broken leg, you are not going to be able to get in and get seen. And I think we consistently forget, it's like even if you don't care about COVID, which you should, <laughs> care about that stuff because like something might happen to you yeah. and you're going to be screwed. The number of RSV cases in Canada rose fivefold over the last two months. It's significantly higher than in average years. So like it's always not great, but like it's really not great right now. Um, in Canada, positive flu cases are nearly triple what they typically are in terms of positivity rates. And pediatric hospitals are currently canceling even necessary surgeries. And they're also sending kids 14 and over to adult ERs because they're so overwhelmed. This is starting to go down, but we were having a really serious shortage of children's medicine, um, specifically around stuff like Tylenol and cough syrup. People were selling children's Tylenol in the black market for like insane prices. And people were like hoarding it and like giving it to people in neighborhood groups and hunting all over the city. It was just like very dystopian and creepy. You'd walk into a drug store and the shelves in the cold and flu aisle would just be bare because everyone's so ill. So there is some children's medicine now. I saw some the other day, but it was mainly due to supply chain issues and like huge, just huge amounts of children getting sick. Like everybody was just ill. Then we can add on top of that new variants of COVID. The fact that nobody is getting vaccinated anymore, as you said, and that there's no regulations around if you are sick. So of course it's just compounding and compounding. And just in case it wasn't clear to everyone listening to this, please go get your COVID booster and your flu shot. Because by the way, like the, the immunity gap is not just like it is particularly bad in the context of children who were born during the pandemic, but it applies to us as well. Like we have not been so getting true. sick at the same rate that we were pre-pandemic. And getting ill more often was actually protecting us against certain things and now we don't have that immunity anymore so absolutely the way you make up for that is by getting all of your vaccinations as soon as you're eligible for it yeah and i know it can seem futile to just like keep getting these shots but i promise it's not um covid cases on the continent are have increased by at least 17 percent at the time that i wrote this which was about two weeks ago um and they are still going up <laughs> And then cases of flu and RSV were also rising. So why? 
like you said, it is mainly that immunity gap or the fact that because we were social distancing and masking for so long, people really weren't getting sick. So we didn't have that built in immunity. Also that affected the weird times we're getting diseases that are typically seasonal. So this came much earlier than it normally would. Um, And also why we're feeling so much worse from it. So yeah, and similar to in the UK, only 39% of Canadians got their flu shot last year, like across the board, which seems to be pretty similar year to year. A lot of people don't get it. And in Canada, only half of us eligible have even gotten the booster dose, like the third one, um, even though we're all eligible. And only one fifth of the country got the bivalent dose. And again, we're all eligible for that one as well. Mm-hmm. So we're not doing super great. And then on, cor- on top of all of this stuff, the world generally, not just even here, treated health workers so appallingly. In Ontario, they capped their pay. Like it's just all so bonkers. Um, so there's this like mass exodus and all these people left the field because it was so stressful. Yeah. All these spaces are understaffed and suffering even more than they were before. In the UK, nurses are going on strike for the first time ever. And good for them. So listen, the question of what can we do about this I feel like is inevitably going to come up and it's just like it's dumb we know (laughs) kids are sick adults are getting sick too just wear a mask and wash your hands we we've done this if we're talking about personal responsibility that's it and if you're sick and you can stay at home home. (laughs) you do not have to power through and you should not power through you will if for no other reason stay home because you will get better faster (laughs) yeah That's it. Give yourself time to heal. Yeah, I understand why people aren't putting mandates in based on like what the response has been. But it's like you're saying this personal accountability thing saying, you know, it's on you to try and like protect the healthcare system and save old people and babies. But like that's always what it was (laughs) and it wasn't super effective. So uh, I don't know why we have this faith that people are going to relate to that, especially in Canada. What's happening is that the health ministers from the different provinces are just being like, guys, it's on you. Like this is your responsibility. (laughs) My favorite quote about recommending but not requiring masking was the Quebec health minister saying that he highly recommends it because we currently have a spicy cocktail of viruses. Spicy cocktail. (laughs) A spicy cocktail. And it wouldn't be us also if we didn't mention briefly Uh, other countries who are chronically overlooked in this realm. A lot of other geographic areas are facing similar issues with even less support from their systems. So for example, South Africa is expecting a 32% increase in the hospitalization of children under two. Globally, COVID deaths are decreasing, but infections are back on the rise. So for example, in Indonesia, cases rose 30% over the last few weeks. Um, Japan topped 100K for the first time in a while. I think we've all seen the crazy lockdowns in China. But the triple threat element does seem to be the worst in the Americas, as it turns out. Although, of course, all these other places are worried about co-infections with TB, malaria, HIV, or whatever. And I feel like we're not really talking about that. But I will save that for a less mini-sode. That's where we are on this spicy cocktail of diseases. <laughs> this is maybe a section for the hoorays, but um, I actually made sangria last mm. night because I decided I had too many oranges. Mm. So Very healthy. <laughs> I bought some wine. Oh, I, I have another hooray. Okay, it starts with a not hooray, but it ends in a hooray. So I'm choosing to see the positive in something that's really awful. I'm ready. So I'm struggling with the long COVID again because Great. this is my life now. However, it does 
free up my schedule to watch all of the terrible <laughs> Christmas movies that I want. Guys, her last recommendation, I could not make it through five minutes of it. <laughs> I've become a Christmas B-movie connoisseur. <laughs> it is truly something. My quick hooray is that I packed up your present and I'm going to mail it this week. So my hurry was it was fun like packing everything in and being like, why did I? How many wild cards were there in there? Because I'm assuming you looked through and were like, I did wow. have to look through it. <laughs> um, one real wild card where I was like, where did I even get that? But it's very <laughs> own brand. Oh, and one thing that is not a present, something you loaned to me and I'm just giving <laughs> Uh, okay the point is awesome. we're feeling in the festive holiday season try not to get any of the spicy cocktail of diseases um hey and you know what like follow and subscribe i realized recently that some of you have been like following and subscribing and it is heartwarming delightful we appreciate and love you and i yeah. would encourage more of you to do so on uh instagram at insickness 2020 on Apple Podcasts. I don't know if you can follow podcasts on Spotify, but we're there too. Or on Podbean, which is our website. <laughs> yeah, I've been enjoying all the comments, actually. It's really nice. We hope you liked our mini breakdown episode. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be back soon with another full-length new disease. Can't wait. Okay. See you later. Bye. Love you. Bye. Love you. Thank you for listening to In Sickness. Researched and hosted by Angeliki and Maya. Intro track and logo by Adrian Morningstar. Sound editing by Maya. <laughs>